Hey everyone, welcome to Inside Out. It's nice to see you tonight. I think I've met everybody in the room, but if I've not, my name's Dan. Um, it's nice to see you guys. I'm glad you guys decided to come to youth group tonight. It's always nice that you guys show up because God lays a message on my heart. If you guys didn't show up, I wouldn't have anybody to talk to. So thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. So I could talk. I do that a lot, actually, talking to myself. There's no doubt about that. All right, so tonight what we're going to do, we're going to close off. We're going to just kind of package this thing up, wrap it up. Our three-week series on Elisha, the life lessons from the prophet Elisha. I was thinking about this just a second ago. I hope that this has been as beneficial for you guys the last couple weeks as it has for me. I've never studied the prophet Elisha ever in the scripture. I've read the Bible and read his stories and the miracles, but I've never really dug into the depth of what his life was all about. And I have learned a ton of stuff and I found it to be very beneficial for me in my life just going through it. Tonight we're gonna talk about week three. Tonight we're gonna talk about the deceitful disciple. What I wanna do is I wanna back up just a little bit to week one, week two, and then we'll get into week three tonight. Week one, as we know, was all about burn the bridges, burn the plows. That's where we see Elisha being called by Elijah to, to come and follow him and be a prophet and all that, and we found out that he threw his cloak on him, and he had miracle after miracle. But the big thing about week one was that I hope you guys will remember this for the rest of your school year, is not looking back. Burning the plows behind you. What happened was Elisha was in the field farming. When Elijah called him into ministry, Elisha sacrificed his animals, his oxen, and actually used his wooden plows to cook the oxen. So there was no, you get the sense from his desire that he had no desire to go back to his old life. And I really want you guys to hear tonight because everybody deals with what I'm going to talk about tonight, I think. Everybody's had these moments in their life. But Elisha had no reason to go back that way ever. He went, I am now a believer and a follower of God and I am never going back. Think about your life for just a second, you guys. If you're a Christian in this room, what would you go back to? Honestly, think about that. If you had the opportunity tonight as a Christian to go back to what you were before you were a Christian, what would you go back to? The old you? I don't know about you, but I know the old Dan. And the last guy I want to meet again is the old Dan. See, I don't even recognize my life not being a Christian. Can you? Can you actually look at your life and see yourself not being a Christian? I can't. It scares me to death to even look back that direction. My wife and I are constantly talking about, we've been married 25 years, coming up in just a couple of months, and we had this discussion just the other day. I wonder what our lives would look like if we had not gotten saved 23 years ago. Been married for 25. If we had not gotten saved 23 years ago, I can honestly tell you I don't believe we'd be celebrating 25 years this year. Why? Because of the type of man I was. I didn't know the Lord. There was no commitment. There was nothing there. I was always going back to the old Dan. Give you a picture. The Bible says a dog returns to its vomit. You ever seen that happen? dog pukes, turns right around and starts eating the puke. That's kind of disgusting, isn't it? That's a picture of going back to your sinful ways. I want you to think about that. The next time you see, you think, I want to go back to temptation. I want to go back to my sin. I want to go back to what I used to be. I'm tired of following this God called Jesus. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go back. I want you to visualize eating a pile of puke because that's exactly what a dog returning to his vomit means in the Bible. I love the pictures that the Bible gives us. That's kind of gross, but... That's the intent behind it. Week two was we looked at last week, the steady disciple. We looked at Elisha and how he followed Elijah no matter what. Remember what he says? As the Lord lives and as you live, I will never leave you. 
We talked in depth last week of what it is to be a steady disciple. To, to, I'm never gonna leave you, Jesus. I'm gonna walk with you forever because I have nothing to go back to. There's nothing back there for me. So what am I gonna do? I'm just gonna keep following the Lord no matter what the circumstance and situation it is. Talked about Elijah going up to heaven in, in, in a whirlwind, the chariots of fire separating him and Elisha, but Elijah, Elijah and Elisha walked together, but Elisha made the decision to pick the cloak up and follow God, no matter what the circumstance or situation. This week we're gonna talk about Gehazi, and Gehazi is really what Elisha was to Elijah, Gehazi is supposed to be to Elisha. And if you look at the succession plan, Gehazi, who we're gonna talk about tonight, was really to, there to replace Elisha when he was done. So I wanna get into this tonight, and I wanna call, that's why I'm calling this the deceitful disciple. We watched what it's like to burn the plows and not look back. Last week we watched what Elisha looked like to be a steady disciple, what a great example that was. This week I'm gonna show you an example of what not to be, because we're gonna talk about Gehazi, who's the deceitful disciple. This whole story begins with, with the prophet, or with the uh, commander Nahum uh, being healed from leprosy, which I'll get into in just a second, but I want you guys to catch this tonight. I hope God helps me get this across to you guys. I want you guys to catch that Gehazi did not just go off the rails immediately like that. There's things in the Bible, he starts losing his spiritual traction along the way. Gehazi had started decaying in his spiritual life a little bit at a time, and you see it in chapter four. Tonight we're gonna to talk about 2 Kings chapter five, but in 2 Kings chapter four, Gehazi comes up, and you start to see this guy come off the rails a little bit. At first, he's compassionate, he's, he's involved in one of the miracles that Elisha is doing with a, a woman and her son, he's right there, he's compassionate, but as you get later in chapter four, you start to see Gehazi's attitude change. His heart attitude started changing a little bit and he started being more critical of Elisha. I love our pastor at this church, Pastor Dan Morgan and I. I love that man dearly, I would do anything for him, and it's my desire to follow him as Elisha followed Elijah. He's a man of God, he would never do anything to dishonor God, and my desire is to follow him. Imagine if I started coming in here on a Wednesday night, and you guys noticed that I was starting to be a little bit critical of Pastor Dan. Wouldn't you wonder what was going on a little bit? All of a sudden I'm walking with him, I love him, I'm following him, I'm in his footsteps and whatever that looks like down the road and all of a sudden I start going, yeah, I don't really like what he did there. Kind of bothered me a little bit. See, this is what happened to Gehazi. I want you guys, here's what I want you guys to understand. Lord, please help me with this. We don't go off the rails all at once. We go off the rails one decision at a time. And then that one decision and here's the deal, that this is why I watch my life so closely because I really believe one decision doesn't change my relationship so much with the Lord. It separates me, sin separates me, but one decision does this. When I come up to a decision, I've got a choice to make. There's a why in the road. The choice I'm gonna make is either gonna help my relationship with Jesus or harm my relationship with Jesus. I gotta know what that, I've gotta be able to make that decision when it comes to my faith. It's very simple for me. So if I make a decision that helps my relationship with the Lord, I'm still headed toward the cross, yes? 
If I make a decision that harms my relationship with the Lord, it puts me on a path that is leading to destruction. It doesn't mean I've lost my faith. It doesn't mean I don't love Jesus even. It means I did a stupid thing, but it, the trajectory of my life changed. Now I can repent from that and come and follow the Lord immediately, but one choice puts me on that path. And that choice leads to this. Well, I got away with that. That wasn't too bad. Nobody found out. I'm okay. And then I make another decision, and I'm still on that path. You guys picking up what I'm laying down? And I get away with that one, so that's okay. And then I make another decision, and I'm still on the path. And what happens to Gehazi is he made that choice in his heart. He started to become critical. In his attitude of his heart, everything started to change. So what you're gonna see with Gehazi in just a couple of minutes as we go through this is not something that just happened immediately. This is something he's warming up to, but all of a sudden, it's gonna fall apart and come, across, come apart on him. And I will tell you guys this. This comes to mind, so I'll share it with you. That's my life. What we're gonna talk about tonight with the deceitful disciple, I would retitle the message of my life, The Deceitful Dan. Nobody lied and was more deceitful than I was, and nobody was better at it than I was. And the reason why I was so good at it is because the way I grew up, we had to be deceitful. My dad was a very abusive man, physically, mentally, everything. We didn't, I was not a Christian when I grew up. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in a very abusive home. We had drugs, pornography, physical abuse, you name it, we went through it. So my mom, to survive, we had to lie and deceive to keep dad from losing his mind. So what I learned to do is my mom, and I love her dearly, she was a saint and she had to do this. It wasn't that she was trying to teach me how to cheat, lie, and steal, but to survive our home, I learned how to do that and I was very good at it, you guys. So what I see with the deceitful disciple, you see the deceitful Dan, that that was Dan before I knew the Lord. So my desire is to never be deceitful. My desire is for you guys to see what you see right here, you see wherever I'm at at home, at the store, with my kids, in youth group, on church on Sunday morning, what you see is what you get because I've lived a life where I've had to look over my shoulder and it's horrible. What I mean by that is I'm this Dan here and then I'm this Dan over here in this crowd and in this crowd I'm that Dan and then over here in this crowd I'm this Dan and I'm constantly looking over my shoulder wondering who's watching me and that's how I live my life, lying and deceiving and cheating and manipulating and I was good at it till about the age of 35. And my life came to a destructive end, a very destructive end. Two or three years later, I gave my life to Christ, 38 years old, got saved by the blood of Jesus, and I don't lie, and I don't deceive, and I don't cheat, and I don't manipulate. Do you know why? Because when I get the opportunity to, and it presents itself every day, I say no. I'm not that guy anymore. Would it be easy for me to go back that direction? Does it mean if I, if I start lying and deceiving, does that mean I don't love Jesus anymore? No, it just means I made a decision that is harming my relationship with him instead of helping my relationship with him. Do you guys understand what I'm getting at? That's why I want you guys, because I know none of you guys have ever told a lie. None of you guys have ever tried to deceive someone. I know that, you guys are just saints. I can see your halos around the room. So this probably doesn't mean anything to you because you've never lied. You've never told your parents the little white lie, right? Everybody in this room has done it at one time in their life. So tonight when we look at this story, I really want you to ask yourself, here's how I never do that again. I never wanna make a decision that's gonna harm my relationship because I'm being deceitful. 
Make sense? So let's get into this. Second Kings chapter five, I'm gonna break down the story and I'll read some scripture to you here in just a minute. Nahum, Nahum, I can say it right, Nahum in the Bible is a Syrian commander. He's from Aram, okay? Nahum is a, a mighty warrior. He's a foreigner from the Israelites. He's not an Israelite. He's not a man of God. He's a warrior, though. He's a general. He's a commander. But the problem with Nahum is he's got leprosy. And leprosy is a bad, it's a, it's a death sentence back in those days, basically is what it is. Well, Nahum's got leprosy, and his, his, his army one day rounded up a bunch of Israelites, and in this bunch of Israelites, there was a servant girl. Well, the servant girl that got captured is now Nahum's wife's servant. Well, apparently, Nahum must have been a decent guy because the servant girl, the Israelite servant girl that had been taken captive, told, her, told his wife that, man, I wish that Nahum could meet this guy named Elisha, who's a prophet in the land of Israel. If, he could, if, she, if Nahum could meet Elisha, he could heal Nahum from his leprosy. This young Israelite girl knew about Elisha. His reputation was solid. Is yours? Think about school for a second. If kids are talking about you at school, do, do they say what you'd like them to say about you on a Wednesday night? That's the steadiness that I hope you live your life. So anyway, Nahum goes to his commander, his master, and the guy goes, here, I'll write a letter to the Israelite king. You take this letter to them, tell them what's going on, and then you can go find this prophet, whoever he is. So Nahum, the commander, the general, the mighty warrior, goes to Jehoram, who is the king of Israel. Well, Jehoram, he's having a heart attack. He's like, oh my gosh, what's this guy doing here? Who's he think I am? God, I can't bring life. I can't do this. He starts freaking out because he thinks the guy at Aram, the commander there, is trying to trick him to start a fight. Well, Elisha finds out about this conversation that Nahum came to Israel to be healed by the prophet Elisha. So Elisha tells the king of Israel, calm down. Send, send Nahum, Nahum to my house. So Nahum, with all of his horses, it says in the Bible, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, Nahum, Nahum, Nahum brings with him to Israel as a, to pay off who's ever gonna heal him with all kinds of clothes. So this guy's loaded, he's got horses, he's got donkeys, he's got caravans with him, and he shows up at Elisha's house at the front door. Now imagine this, look outside there, if you saw all this going on out there, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, horses, chariots, servants, and here's Naaman, Naaman in front of it, in front of your door. You would go out and see him and try to figure out what's going on, right? He's a man of royalty. Not Elisha, Elisha just tells him. He sends his servant out and says, hey, send the servant out, tell Nahum to go dip in the Jordan River seven times and he'll be healed. Well, Nahum's got a pride issue. He gets a little torqued, he's like, I can't believe this guy. I came all this way and Elisha didn't even come out of the house. I thought he'd come out of the house, recognize who I am, wave his hand in the air, say, oh God of Israel, heal this guy and I'd be healed. But instead, he, t he doesn't even come out and see me, he sends a servant. So Naaman, he gets mad and he leaves. But Naaman's servants are like, wait, 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 wait. Just listen and do what he said. So Naaman goes to the Jordan, which is a dirty, filthy river. This great commander, all decked out in his garb, I'm sure, and leprosy, he goes to the Jordan and he does exactly what Elisha told him to do. He dipped down in the river seven times, in the Jordan River. Seven times he goes under. And on the seventh time he comes up and he's completely healed. It says his, his skin was like a young boy. 
It went from being white as snow, leprosy, to being like a young boy because he did what Elisha told him to do or what Elisha told his servant to tell him to do. So Nahum, he comes back and he's stoked. He comes back to Elisha's house. Elisha comes out to visit with him. Nahum wants to give him a bunch of money. He wants to give him gold and silver and clothes and, and thank him and, and basically say, man, because Nahum's heart's been changed. See, he is now a believer in the one true living God. He says, I know there is a God in the land of Israel and he's the only God there is. And Elisha says, I don't want your stuff, go away. Go back, go home, bless you, go in peace. So Elisha doesn't take a thing from this guy. And he's offering a lot. So it'd be really easy to pay him off. We'll get, hopefully we'll get to that at the end of the message tonight here in the next few minutes. But here's the deal. Gehazi is standing here watching this. So you got Elisha, the prophet, Naaman, and then you got Gehazi here. Well, when Gehazi sees this, this is where we're going to start to read scripture because I want you to see the change in his heart and what happens. So grab your bulletins. If you don't have a bulletin, they're over there on the table because I want to read this to you. It's verses 20 through 27, and then I'll break it down and give you guys your small groups. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 19 says this. Elisha says, go in peace. That's what he's telling Naaman. Go in peace. So he's offered him money. Elisha turned it down, says, go back home. There's more to the story, but I don't have time to get into all that tonight. You guys can read that later on by yourselves. So Nahum goes. Elisha's here. Gehazi is here. After Nahum had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on Nahum. See how critical he is? Watch this. This Aramean, by not accepting from him, uh, what, he, what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Nahum, and when he got to Naaman, um, he saw him running toward him, and he got down off of his chariot and met him. Is everything all right? He asked Gehazi. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master, here's the lie, watch the switch, so you see him being critical to begin with, and now the lie comes. Everything is all right, Gehazi said. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets has just come um, to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give me, or please give them a talent of silver. Notice how he says a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, name says, because he's grateful. His heart's been changed. He's glad to be saved and healed of his leprosy. Naaman, Naaman said, he urged Gehazi, Gehazi to accept them, and then he tied them up two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to his two servants, so he sent two servants to help carry the stuff, and then they carried him ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, that being back home, he took these things from the servant and sent them away to the house. So in other words, he gets close to home, he's like, you guys hit the road, get out of here. He sent the men away, and they left. When he went in and stood before his master, Elisha, Elisha asked him, where have you been, Gehazi? Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this a time to take money and accept clothes or olive groves and vineyards or flocks and herds and, make fem and, and female slaves? 
Nahum's leprosy will cling to you and your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and, and his skin was, was leprous, leprous now and it was white as snow. I wanna touch on this real quick so I don't forget to do this. The reason why Elisha would not take any gifts from Naaman to begin with is because salvation and healing is a free gift of God. That's why Elisha asked Gehazi, is it now, is that the time to accept clothes and silver and vineyards and female slaves? No, that's not the time. So I want you guys to understand something real quick tonight. On that note, salvation's a free gift of God. And Elisha, think about it, Naaman would have given him all the gifts. Naaman would have thought, I paid him off. I earned this. I got to give him money for my salvation. And Elisha's making it very clear, that's not how this works. He was healed by the grace and the mercy of God alone, and that's it. Gehazi, though, looked at it differently. He got greedy in his heart, and things changed. So here's what I want to do. I want to break this down next few minutes, and I'll give you guys to your group, but I want to look at a few things that this deceitful disciple did that we can never turn our hearts over to do. Gehazi's desire is number one. In verse 20, you see that. Elisha, when it says in verse 20, it said that what he did, he said, after Nahum traveled some distance, it says, Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said to himself, my master's been too easy on him. So he said he should have accepted this gift. So I will run after him, he says. Basically what he's doing there is I want you guys to catch this. His heart changed and become critical. Gehazi was once a man of God. Gehazi once followed Elisha, but now his heart changed. And this is what I want you guys to get across to. See, he didn't burn the bridges behind him. He wanted to be a wealthy man. The first thing you see is Elisha's desire was to faithfully follow Elijah. Gehazi's desire was to be selfish and deceitful. What's your desire in your life? What is the desire that you have for Christ in your lives right now? What does your desire look like? Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. Are you delighted in the Lord? Because if that's the case, then the Lord becomes your delight and then it becomes your desire and then you live your life out from there. The desire of his heart, Gehazi, was revealed because he came, became critical because he just didn't get the gifts. Gehazi feel, felt like Elisha ruined a great opportunity to make a lot of money. Someday you guys are gonna be in business. Someday you guys are gonna have jobs. Someday you guys will play the stock market or whatever you do. Never get greedy, you guys. Never let money become your Lord because it won't work. He wanted the wealth. Here's what I wrote down. He wanted the wealth so bad he was willing to lie for it. But what he wanted was the things of the world. When you turn out and your desire becomes for the things of the world, watch me, look at me. When your desire becomes for the things of the world, don't you dare be surprised at the extent that you will go to to get it. And you will lie and you will deceive someday if you choose to do that. If your desire becomes about the things of the world that you want horizontally instead of about what you want vertically in the Lord and your relationship, you will fail. And I love when people say, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, you can. If you look back like Gehazi did, there's whys in the road, and those whys in the road that you guys have in your life as young people, you're gonna have to make the choice because he did whatever he could and he was willing to lie to get what he wanted. Not what Elisha said was good, but what he wanted. He did it his way instead of God's way. And it's very clear in 1 John 2.15, it says, do not love 
the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Is your heart for the things of the world or for Christ? Is that your desire? Gehazi's decision, he made that decision in verse 21. He said, I will. He, Elisha decided that no matter what, he was never gonna leave Elijah. I've been driving that home with you guys over and over and over again, praying that you decide that you will never leave Jesus. There's never any reason for you to go back. Elijah, Elisha had decided that with Elijah. Gehazi had decided with Elijah that he would leave him, be selfish, and even lie and cheat and deceit, be deceitful. He decided what he wanted was more important than the call that God had laid on his life to follow Elisha. He sold out for worldly gain. This is probably maybe a little bit young in you guys' life, but I wanna give you this mile, mile marker along the way anyway. I never want you to sell out for worldly gain. What are you willing to sell out for in your lives? Esau, as we learned last year when we did a study on Jacob, Esau sold his birthright for what? A bowl of stew. Demas, he decided that he wanted to leave Paul. He was walking with Paul the, Paul the apostle and following God and being a Christian. But Demas, it says, loved the things of the world. So he left Paul. I want you guys to remember these things. I know you're sitting in here tonight and some of you are like, what? I'm never gonna do that. When you get to those crossroads in your life, you guys, and you're going to, Everybody in this room, no matter how young or old we are, we come to crossroads in our lives all the time. Don't be surprised at them. Be ready for them and know that you're, this is the direction I go. I reason it out. It helps my relationship or it harms my relationship. It gets no harder than that. Don't be like these guys and leave the things of the world. Gehazi made a decision to do this. I will go after Naaman. He took his free will and he did something with it that did not honor God. Everybody in this room has a free will. Every one of you every day are gonna decide what you're gonna do with your free will. What decisions will you make along the way? He said, I will go after Naaman. No matter what, he, matter what Elisha said, he decided he will. In Isaiah chapter 14, it's the I will chapter is what a lot of people call it. And it's about Satan where Satan says, I will ascend above the throne of God. I will do these things. I will do those things. You know what I want you to say? I will follow the Lord no matter what happens to me, no matter what's before me, I will follow Jesus. You have a will. What are you gonna do with it? That's what Gehazi did as he turned the other direction. And this really revealed the condition of his heart. This really showed you how selfish and how greedy and how sinful he really was. And I wrote this down so you guys get it. When a man's heart is filled with selfish desires, his lips will be filled with lies. When your heart becomes filled with selfish desires, you, your lips will become lying lips, hands down. And you'll find it every time in people's lives. You guys know people like this in your life already who say they're Christians. You're watching them at school, aren't you? Don't be like them. Don't be like Gehazi. Be like Elisha. The last couple things is Gehazi's deception. Gehazi, he, listen, deception, is nothing, deception should never be in a Christian's life. We should not have the heart to deceive people. We should have the heart to live for God no matter what. And I'm talking about your home life, you guys, with your parents. You, gotta, you can't deceive them. You can't tell them one thing to go do another. You gotta be fully honest with them so that they know what's going on. He lied to himself, he lied to Nam, and he lied to Elisha. 
He really believed that if I go after this stuff, if I go after my temptation and my sin, it will make me happy. If I go after this stuff that that guy's got all that gold, all that silver, all those clothes, I'm gonna be content, it's gonna be amazing, I'm gonna be happy, I can't hardly wait. That's what I've been looking for. We're gonna run around all our lives, watch, we're gonna run around all our lives looking for something to be content in. We're gonna be grasping after things. They said it's, it's like reaching after the wind, roping the wind, you're always gonna be looking for something, trying to find whatever that is and it's never gonna find, you're never gonna find it. It's found in Christ and Christ alone. Contentment comes through my relationship with Jesus and, listen to me, nothing else. I love my wife with all my heart, but the contentment in my heart does not come from Rachel. It comes from my relationship with Jesus. And I want you guys to understand that at a young age. I don't want you looking for something that's gonna make me happy and make me full and make me content where I can find peace. You're never gonna find it. It's not out there. You find it through your relationship with Jesus, and that is it. So he lied, thinking that if I get these things, I'm going to be happy. He lied to Elisha. He even used Elisha's name in vain. My master told me to tell you the extent that we will go to when we want something selfishly in our lives will freak you out, and it will scare you when you're on the other side of it. When you get on the other side of something, you'll look back and you'll be like, I can't believe I did that. Some of you have already been there in this room. You're like, I... I can't believe I did that. I promised I would never wrap up in a car with my boyfriend and my girlfriend, and here I am doing it. I can't believe I did that. What am I thinking? I had to lie to my parents. My mom and dad don't think I'm doing it. Now I'm, one lie leads to another lie that leads to another lie that leads to another lie. You're looking at him. I promise you, if you continue, if you begin to lie, you will continue to lie, and you're like a cat in a cat box trying to cover up what you just left behind you. Don't do that. Don't live that life, you guys. He even, he stood before Elijah. He stood right before Elisha. The guy he was supposed to be following stood right in front of him and lied to him. Lied right to his face. I can't believe I did that. Don't be surprised. When your heart becomes deceitful, you will go to major extents to get yourself out of what you're going through. And he thought with Elisha, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. I've been right here the whole time, Dad. Been right here the whole time, Mom, never left the bed. Never went out of the house at all this weekend. Nope. While you were gone, I stayed home the whole time. It was a lie. Bottom line is, Gehazi allowed himself to be seduced by the world. He was seduced by the sparkly things of life. He was seduced by sin. Will you be? The last thing is this, Gehazi's defilement, and I won't, I won't spend a lot of time here. He all of a sudden, because he had leprosy, he had sin in his heart, Elisha spoke a curse over him to where now he has, all it is is what was in his heart is now revealed outwardly. All it is is that the leprosy in his heart is now the leprosy on his skin. And he's been cursed forever by Elisha because of his sin. Here's what I want you guys to understand, a couple things. Your sin will always be found out. Numbers chapter 32 verse 23 says your sin will always be found out. Remember when I told you I was 35 years old before I really, my life really fell apart? I was getting away with a lot. And not very many people knew about it. But all of a sudden, my sin was found out. And it ruined everything. And it changed everything. My life was an absolute disaster. Your sin will always be found out. And I want you guys to know that you gotta make sure that you never let yourself get into that situation at all, ever, no matter what. He wanted God's power. He wanted to profit from God's power, and he did. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. 
The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So turn to your small group tables, talk about the small group questions on there, and then we'll wrap it up here in just a few minutes, you guys.